Isaiah 61. It says this, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord. And it's all summed up that he may be glorified. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Father, may there be victories won here in these morning services to the glory of your matchless name. Jesus is that name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Say to your neighbor, this is your day. Tell them it's your day because this is a word from the Holy Spirit that uh, something wonderful is going to happen for someone here in this, this room this morning in either one of these services. Every one of us has some ashes in our lives. All of us have some wounded parts in our spirit, soul, body. And I believe that ashes represent the wounded portions of our lives because everyone has heartache and heartbreak. That's happened in our past. Some have different levels of ashes. Perhaps there's been a divorce or a loved one has passed from here and left kind of a huge void in your life. Saints, if you just open your hearts to one another, everybody has a story. I said everybody has a story of tragedy and wounds and ashes. But the beautiful part about Jesus, no matter what's broken in us, He can heal our wounds. He can take ashes and create something beautiful. And that's why we need to be so aware of our men and women in uniform when they come back from going to battle because of the things they've experienced and seen. Um, They often carry the wounds and carry the ashes of brokenness because of what they've experienced. And Jesus is an answer, and Jesus is the answer for healing and restoration. And someone might say, well, he can't take my past. It's so unique and do anything good with it. Don't tell Jesus what he can and can't do, because look at this passage once again, and I think you ought to read it aloud with me, because this needs to get out of your mind and into your spirit. Read it with me, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So what's God saying to us? It's all about Jesus in this passage. And what's he saying? If you're in pain today, he can touch your heart. He can touch you where you live. He can heal the broken places of our lives. And if you're a pile of ashes, he'll give you beauty and three other benefits because of his goodness. And this is the most incredible word for beauty anywhere in Scripture because it only appears in this particular definition in this one place. There are many times the word beauty is used throughout the Scriptures, but this is the only one time this Hebrew word is used, and it means a beautiful headdress. The defining picture has to do with your mind because for many believers, your minds were the victims and your minds still are the victims because until you fix it in your mind, you're going to continue to go back and revisit those bad experiences and you awaken in the morning depressed and you go to bed at night depressed 
and you come to church depressed, Jesus can take those ashes. Jesus can take all the difficulties and all the pains that you've experienced and by his grace and by his strength, replace them with a beautiful change of perspective. His word can clear your mind from the negative damage and images that you've conjured up back there. And what else can Jesus do? He can give you the oil of joy for mourning. There are people who have mourned for so long and they have basically just continued to work those wounds over and over. You've been in the ashes so long, you're starting to smell like ashes. If you have a wood-burning fireplace, some of us in California still do, (laughs) you'll understand this. If you don't clean them regularly, ashes begin to smell bad. And people who just live in their wounds and roll around in them and cry about them and relive them all the time, they start to smell bad. But when you take your ashes to Jesus, he cleans up not only the ashes, but the odor. Sniff around you. How do things smell? If you smell smoke or ashes, pray for the people who are still in those ashes and love them. And what else? He'll give you a garment of praise, a robe of joy in your life. You'll look better. No matter what kind of heaviness you've experienced, you'll look better in the robe of the joy of the Lord. Jesus then will plant you like a tree. You won't be moved by everything that happens in your life and comes at you. You'll be like a tree of righteousness. And when the storms come and when ashes appear because there have been losses, listen, when wounds come, you've been planted because you know he'll take those ashes and exchange them for beauty. So look at the people who sat in ashes. The word speaks of ashes as being a part of grief, an expression of sorrow and pain. And it says, then Tamar in 2 Samuel put ashes on her head and tore her robe of many colors that was on her and laid her hand on her head and went away crying bitterly. This is a very sad story. Tamar was raped by her half-brother and she left the bedroom after he had abused her, crying, grieved, humiliated. And you're seeing front page stories of that kind of thing still happening in our culture today and people being abused and taken advantage of. And this was a tremendous wound in her life. She put ashes on her head. And I never read anywhere in scripture where Tamar got better, where she got over it, where she was able to overcome it. I never read in scripture where she took those ashes and was able to give them to the Lord. And there was no beauty that ever appeared out of her circumstance. You can be a believer and sit in those ashes and wounds of abuse, but Jesus does not give us beauty until we give him our ashes. So put your hand on your heart. Say, I won't forget. Until I give him my ashes, I will never receive his beauty. That's so important for us to comprehend. Look at Job. The word says, Job, he sat and he took to himself a broken piece of pottery and he used it to scrape his oozing wounds while he sat in ashes. What an awful, terrible physical experience and picture when you see this man with open wounds sitting on an ash heap, and he struck Job, the, the devil did, with terrible boils from head to foot, and Job scraped his skin with a piece of broken pottery as he sat among the ashes. Job had some wounds. You talk about somebody carrying around post-traumatic stress. 
He had some issues. If you lost 10 children at one time, that's a huge wound, all of them at once. If you lost your health and your wealth in the same day, that's a huge wound. Those are a mountain of ashes he's sitting in. You think you had a bad day. Don't compare yourself with Job. I look at Abraham. When, when God spoke to Abraham telling him, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham responded and said, I'm coming to you in ashes. I'm coming to you in sackcloth. I'm asking, would you please save Lot and his family? He's my relative. How many know that your relatives are desired in the kingdom of God? God wants them born again and that you can pray them in and you should love those that God's placed in your family and those especially that don't know the Lord to reach out and believe God for their redemption. Abraham said, I'm coming in sackcloth and ashes. And why did Abraham come to God like that? Why did he say, I am in sackcloth and ashes? Well, listen, he said, this is such, he's such a man of faith. He knew I can bring God the ashes, the brokenness, how my heart feels. This is an outward expression of how my inner man feels. And God, I know you'll return with beauty for me, not ashes. What does God do? Did he save Lot? Absolutely. And because of Abraham saying, for all the ashes that are to come out of this disaster in these two communities, yet I expect you to bring beauty out of it. Abraham interceded for Lot with a brokenness in his spirit that God got got God's attention because everybody thinks their ashes are the worst. And sometimes you hear people, they sit around, they start, and then the complaining just keeps escalating because they're trying to out-complain each other. No one's story is as sad as mine. No one is as hurt as I have been. Let me share this story out of South America and compare yourself with this because this person took the ashes and gave them to the Lord. An individual that our fellowship is acquainted with and married a beautiful, spirit-filled woman. She came from a very strong Pentecostal family in South America, and they prepared for ministry, and they did enter the ministry and built a very strong and pretty good-sized church. They had a son, and everything seemed to be going very well in their relationships and, of course, in their marriage and in their church. And seven years after they were married, his wife entered into a lesbian relationship. She left him and their son. It's tragic. Terrible story. He lost credibility with the people in his church. Uh, He was affected by his wife's choices. The marriage was broken. And in that part of the culture, and sometimes even in ours, they no longer wanted him as pastor because of the brokenness going on. He was even disfellowshipped. Sometimes, folks, we shoot our own wounded, okay? He lost friends in ministry. He attempted to fellowship with another denomination, but Satan kept attacking him and telling him, get out of the ministry. You're done. You've been deserted. No one wants anything to do with you. But he threw himself on the mercies of the Lord and gave the Lord his ashes. When he gave the Lord his ashes, his ministry began to grow again. And God gave him a a brand new beginning. He began to recover. His uh, former wife had divorced him and gone on her merry way. And he found a new lady, and they were married. They had a daughter, and, of course, the son of the first marriage, and uh, became pastors of another large church. And then the son himself branched out. 
and continued the ministry by taking a branch of the mother church and building it into another large church. And one day someone said to the the young boy from the family, you've got such a wonderful heritage. Your father is such a great minister. Your grandmother has been in ministry most of her life, a great lady, a powerhouse for the Lord. And and he, he was being asked about his own church and how this extension of the mother church was doing. His response was, well, how can I not do well when I've got such an outstanding grandmother who's prayed for me? Yeah, I've met your dad's mother. She's a great lady. And he said, no, 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 not that grandmother. She is outstanding. She's a great evangelist, but I have another grandmother, and she's been a great influence in my life. Another grandmother? The the mother of the woman who left your dad for another woman? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that grandmother. So what was the story of the mother's mother? Well, that woman was a godly woman. And when her daughter chose this alternate lifestyle, left her husband, deserted her son. That mom never gave up on her daughter. And for 10 years, that daughter lived in that lifestyle. And at the end of those 10 years, she awakened one day and said, I can't take it anymore. I can't stand it. I've got to come back to Jesus. And she denounced her sinful behavior and exited out of that lifestyle and repented of her sin. And she met a man and she remarried. And now not only are they all restored She and her husband passed her a large church in South America, and her mother did not respond the way so many religious people do today. She didn't say, well, my daughter has chosen a lesbian lifestyle. Where is God in all of this? I guess she was born that way, and I'll just kind of go along with it because that's her choice, or took the opposite position. I'll just reject her. I'm not just her choices, but I don't want her around me. She will not be welcome anywhere near me again. She could have lived in her ashes, but she took those ashes and she brought them to Jesus and Jesus gave her back beauty for those ashes because I serve a God who restores. When you say, well, my heart is broken. Jesus said he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Amen. Jesus said he came to do that. He said he would give you beauty for ashes. And remember, beauty had to do with something on your head. He'll give you an adornment for your head. And not only that, but he'll give you fragrant oil, the anointing oil. And the oil that was used for special anointings in Scripture was fragrant. It left an aroma that everybody around knew that person's been anointed. And then what will he do? He'll put a robe and a garment of praise on you. And out of all the ashes, you'll begin to give thanks to God. You know, some people think that they look good because they can afford an Armani suit or a St. John's knit. You haven't had the garment of praise on yet. It's the most beautiful garment you can ever wear. You say, but I'm so sad. I want to tell you how to be glad. There is a river. The streams whereof make glad the city of God. And how do you obtain these four blessings Jesus has provided for in the atonement? What do you need to do? Well, you know, some people just feed on ashes. What do they, they feed on their past. They feed on the bad report they got from their doctor. And what do they do? It says in the word, that person just feeds on the ashes. And those who feed on their ashes are always talking about how bad everyone is to them. How bad life has treated them. Well, you know, I changed churches because that pastor was mean to me. 
or this happened, and, or that person, or I didn't like the hypocrites, and they're letting the sinners come to our church now. I mean, <laughs> oh, how novel, right? Yeah. And those people with their piercings and their tats, I mean, the church is, listen, the church has been letting sinners in for years. You know, the hypocrites who criticize the people with the tats and the piercings. You know what I'm saying? So what you feed on is what you're going to feed others. And what you've been feeding on is what you're going to run around telling other people. You know, it's kind of interesting. I, I'm always in different places of business in the community, and I hear what people from, from our church feed on because I hear it back from business owners and managers. And, and because the business people in town, they tell me. It's great. I love it. They tell me. I don't have to have security cameras and watching everything that everybody's doing because they're my security cameras. They tell me. They tell me all about you. They feed it back to me. And some of them are not even followers of Jesus, but they can tell me what you're feeding on or gossiping about or complaining about. But if you're feeding on the word, you'll be speaking to unbelievers in this community about the beauty of Jesus and the goodness of the Lord. So you can sit and talk about how you've been mistreated, how your health is awful, that your husband left you, and how pitiful your life is. You can sit and feed on all of that, but just remember, you're never going to get the beauty that Jesus has prepared for you speaking like that. And what do you want? Do you want the ashes? Well, this is what ashes look like. You know, this is what they're like. Now, if I open this up and dump it, Christina would be very unhappy with me. But these ashes need to get dumped, okay? They need to get dumped. But look at that mess. And you know what happens when that bag explodes and that thing opens up? They go everywhere. And there's, even with the seal on this thing, this stuff's coming out. And it gets all over everything and it stinks and it messes everything up. They're ugly. And they don't smell good if you open that bag. It doesn't smell. And if you dump these on your head like some people did, you don't look good. You're making a statement. And, and that's the way people who are feeding on ashes and talk about them all the time, that's exactly what happens. It's ugly and stinky, and it makes you look and smell bad. You can sit in the ashes. You can sit right where, right where you are and never do a thing about them. And, and there's so many Christians who just sit around in their woes and in their problems. It's so bad. My life stinks. I spend a lot of time doing what I do. And sometimes I see someone with the ashes and, and they're complaining and they're yawning and they're tired and they've been up late and gotten up early. And here's what I see that lights me up. Their attitude, all of a sudden, beauty for ashes. This is a wonderful life. I'm grateful for my job. I can get to be in the presence of the Lord. I get to fellowship with other believers. I'm hearing a clear word from the pulpit. I love it here. He or she is not sitting in his, his or her ashes. They have given their ashes to the Lord and received beauty back. Some people just want to wallow in ashes. Now, don't be offended at me, please, because this is the truth whether you get upset about it or not. But don't get upset today because this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? This is not an ugly day. This is a good day. But I talk to people who have been believers for 20, 30 years, and Complain, complain. They haven't been, a, listen, they haven't been a believer for 20 or 30 years. They've only been a believer for one year and doing the same level 
for 20 or 30 years because they haven't grown. They don't develop. They don't mature. Well, how are you? I need to talk. Really? Have you spoken with one of the pastors? Many times. And every time a new pastor comes on staff, I go tell him my whole miserable story, okay? And these people never get free. They say, well, I got layers and layers of, you know, I just keep telling and retelling my story. Are you an onion? Really? (laughs) People, I, I, I thought I read that Jesus sets the captives free. I said he sets the captives free. At some point, you got to quit wallowing in ashes and say, okay, Jesus, these are ashes. They're real. They stink. I don't like them, but I want your beauty. Don't wallow in the ashes. It says in the book of Esther that she called her people to fasting and prayer. And it says they literally, they literally put ashes on themselves. You can lie down in them and do nothing about your circumstance. But Esther did something. She had a plan. There are people, all they want to do is yak, 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 talk, 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 talk. And when you hear them, all they do is tell how bad everything is. There are those who just sit in their ashes. It's another one of those days. They never get up and get out of them. They just sit there depressed. And there are people who want to kind of roll around in them, who lie around in them. I'm not going to go to church today. I don't feel like church. I'm just not going to serve God because life has just been too hard. So I'm just going to stay home and pout. No, okay. You can keep pouting. You're never going to get beauty out of that. Remember the family born again one night? They were, and then the whole family got filled with the Holy Spirit, turned on serving Jesus, and and they wanted to start a group in their home, a Bible study. And they had a number of students attending who began to come to Jesus. And they were kind of young adults, not just kids. They were young adults. And some of the parents in the neighborhood started complaining and getting upset because their children, young adults, late teens, young adults, they're, they're going to a Bible study. They're not out on the streets. Okay. They're, they're not going to play street ball somewhere. It had been sports. It had been no problem how late they stayed out. But because they're studying the Bible, the parents are all getting upset. Instead of whining about it, they, they, instead of saying, we were not, we're not going to complain. Listen, the, the ones running the study said, you know what? No matter how much pressure they put on us, we're not bitter. We're going to stand on our rights. We're going to keep teaching God's word in our neighborhood. We're exchanging, we're exchanging these ashes and receiving beauty back because God's going to keep blessing us. When you give Jesus your ashes, what are you going to receive? But if you don't give him your ashes, the beauty is never going to appear. You can sit, wallow, lie, feed on ashes and never receive the beauty of the Lord. Be a light where you are. They begin to light up the neighborhood, not growing bitter or angry and complaining, but serving God. Give it to Jesus. And out of those moments of ashes comes resurrection. Out of the death of ashes comes resurrection from the dead. And the blessing of his beauty brings the blessing of the Lord. Instead of bitterness and complaining and ashes, joy and peace and glory and life, and it translates in the blessing for you and for your children and for your children's children. They are blessed by the beauty you have exchanged for ashes. It's worth it to give your ashes to Jesus. It's not just about you. It's about those who come after you. And you always get back beauty. Instead of decay and sickness, you receive healing and health. 
And some I've run into periodically. When I kind of bump into people, they're telling me how bad everybody's treating me. This one can tell you every negative thing about everybody. Listen, that's like an addiction. You get addicted to that stuff. You're just trying to find out everything about everybody that's negative. And so, well, you know that TV evangelist? He has a real problem. Have you ever met him? Have you ever had a conversation with him? No. But you know, right? You know. Okay. And you know about that one? And, and you know that, that pastor? I went to his church, and it was so mistreated over there. You can never have a conversation with those kind of people, and all you want to do is talk about ashes. Ashes just come out of everywhere. Ashes, people, ashes. Ashes smell bad, right? They look bad. What's the problem? They've never given their ashes to Jesus. Hey, you got to fix this thing I've got in my spirit that wants to default in the negative. Get back to Esther. She had ashes. They're about to destroy her people, the whole nation of Israel. But she got into fasting and prayer in the middle of the sackcloth and ashes, and she comes to the Lord, and she's committed to the beauty of God, and she gets to the point where she says, look, if I perish, I perish. And she gives all of her problem to the Lord, and she got others fasting and others praying with her, and she saved her nation. People, if you'll give your ashes to Jesus, he has such beauty in return for you. Healing, redemption, restoration, the mending of your broken heart. Can you imagine what a great almighty God with goodness coming from his character that he is? And for your children, you may have children gone off to college, a child wrapped up in addiction somewhere. Give your children to Jesus. He knows how to send the right person into their environment and get his or her attention. There's a man who went to prison at 17 years of age. Drug abuse. Robberies. His mind totally messed up by his abuses and behavior. But he had a praying mother. She wasn't going to let the ashes of what looked like her son's burned down life destroy her or destroy him for that matter. And someone came to minister in that prison as that mom would pray Send some, send somebody that will speak God's truth to him. And the boy came to know Jesus in prison. Then he was sent literature. He began to do some studying, and he was spirit-filled in the prison. He got out after seven years. He went to a local church, and he, as he began to attend and showed himself faithful. pastor appointed him as one of the custodians. Now, the doctors had told him, because of the severity of the drug abuse and the damage it had done to him, said, you're so messed up, you're sterile. You'll never be able to have children for the rest of your life. Well, he went on to Bible college. He wanted to study God's word. He got married to a lady, and they have three kids. Today, he pastors a church. Why? Because he gave Jesus his ashes and received beauty in return. And that mama said... Devil, you're not going to burn down my son. I'm praying that God will bring out of that beauty. Look at Job. What did Job do? He said, I repent in sackcloth and ashes. And what did Job get? What beauty did he receive in return? He was blessed with 10 more children. He received double the number of years. 
He received double the health. He received double all of the herds and all, of the, all that he had lost. He had been the wealthiest man on the planet. Now he's Getty and all of them combined into one. He's got double of all of it. Listen, what would you rather have? Keep the ashes? Stay there with the, sitting there telling God how bad everything is as if he doesn't know? He said, no, I don't want these ashes. Father, I come to you. I pray for even these who have verbally abused me and made accusations against me. And when he prayed for them, God released the captivity of Job and blessed him with double. I give you my ashes. And God said, now you're going to receive my beauty in return. The king of Nineveh, he responded to Jonah's preaching. And he said, I repent. And he said, not only am I going to repent, but this whole nation is going to put on sackcloth and ashes. We're even going to put them on the the herds of cattle. We're going to put ashes on them and sackcloth. We repent. We were wrong. We've sinned against God. And what happened? He saved his nation because he got the beauty of the Lord in exchange. Because God had pronounced judgment on those people and it was relieved. Beauty came out of it because they turned their ashes into the beauty of the Lord. You say, well, I'll make up my own beauty. I've got things I can go do and things I can buy that'll, that'll help me feel better. Forget that. Because the only one who can take things and make new beginnings is Jesus Christ. He's the only one who created it all, including you to begin with. Am I preaching right in here today? Okay. It's so important that you give him your asses so he can give you his beauty. And his beauty is a headdress. It changes your mind. It stops the default into the negative. Where do you get the most trouble? You get the most trouble in your head because you start thinking in the wrong way and convince yourself you're okay with it. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. This is the way I feel. God's not interested in your feeling. He's interested in whether or not you believe what he says. You want God's attention? Don't tell him, I feel this way about it, and that's why I'm going to do this. No, say, God, I know I'm not in agreement with what you say. Help me to adjust to be in agreement with what you say. Help me to align. Then my feelings will get right. Why do we send missionaries into Baghdad? Why do we do that? Why are we sending missionaries into Afghanistan? Why do I have on the docket another invitation to go back to those kind of places and speak to the men and women in uniform and even to Afghani men in uniform about the goodness of God? Why? Because it's smart to train pastors that are local in that area to teach themselves about the word of God and then be able to teach others. Why is that? Because Jesus said to do that. That's why. Well, Muslims hate Christians, but don't you think they deserve to hear about Jesus like anybody else? Could they receive beauty for their asses if they had the opportunity to hear and know? And how will they hear unless somebody has sent them a preacher? Someone has to go to them. And while many will reject the message, Oh, many will go and still and and are today receiving Jesus. And before Jesus comes back, 
He wants all men to hear his name for all to have the opportunity to repent and receive beauty for asses. None to perish, but have everlasting life. So you can sit there and murmur about aches and pains and discomfort or something you don't like in life. It's easy to do that. The world is in ashes today because it defaults into that mentality. In every news cycle, it's the same stuff. Come on, folks, suffering without hope. You can sit and whine and murmur, and you can give Jesus your ashes. Jesus, who's creator of all, the most beautiful of all, can do anything with anything we turn over to him. There isn't anything he can't do. There's no disease he can't heal, whether it's internal, mental, physical, psychological, emotional. He creates new beginnings in health, in wealth, in relationships. I think of David. You say, well, pastor, you know, I I lost it because I've done dumb things. Say to your neighbor, everyone has done dumb things. (laughs) All have. You know what? David did something hellacious. He committed adultery. Then he set up the woman's husband to be murdered. That was a very dumb thing. This is God's chosen king. It was very bad what he did. So he could have sat there in his ashes and said, I blew it. It's over. I'm done. But he comes to God and he said, I repent. I've sinned against you. Take my ashes. And yeah, there are consequences. He never raised the baby that Bathsheba carried. But God gave him Solomon. And Solomon wrote the Song of Solomon and the book of the Proverbs and the Ecclesiastes. And for 3,500 years, we've been blessed by Solomon and the wisdom God spoke through him because David was willing to give God his ashes and take the beauty in return. I don't care how bad or how ugly you've been or how bad the diagnosis is. You may have even committed crimes, but God is still saving those who have committed crimes. Jesus is still healing those sick and afflicted if you'll give him your sin and your sickness and your addictions. Look at Saul. He killed Christians. Have you killed any Christians lately? God forgave Saul. He gave him a new name, Paul. And he wrote half of the New Covenant, New Testament. That's not shabby beauty for someone who had so many ashes. You say, well, I have too many. You can have more ashes than Jesus can forgive. Look in the mirror. Every one of us here has been forgiven for some messy pasts, messy trash. Look how beautiful we are. Why? Because we gave him our asses and he gave us his beauty. Who wants to wear a rag? I don't, but a beautiful robe. You get the garment of praise. And this is why we praise the Lord so much. And some people think, well, you're kind of radical over there. We are. Why? Because we love the garment of praise. We feel good when we wear it and feel better when we leave here because we've met the King of Kings and the Lord, our healer, the Lord, our provider, and the Lord, our banner. And Jesus said, I'll make you a tree of righteousness. Everybody say tree. A tree is something that's planted and it's solid. And that's what he's promised to make out of each of us. So he gets glory out of that. Now, I've been around church all my life. 
since before I can remember. And in our culture, you see so much of this in our day. You know, people in churches get offended over some minor thing, and they move on to another church, and they never repent, and they never fix it, and they never get it right. So they go on to that next one, and somebody there offends them, and we don't like the worship, and we don't like the preaching, and then they leave that one, and they go to somewhere else. And now they got multiple sets of ashes. And they don't like the one they're in now. Somebody didn't let them sing when they wanted to sing. They didn't like what the pastor preached last week or blah, 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 whatever. So they get their fourth church and three sets of ashes. Are they trees? No. No, if you uproot a tree and transplant it every year, did you get any fruit off of it? No. You probably, after a few times, wouldn't even have a tree left. And when you, when, when, when you will give Jesus your ashes, he will make you a tree. And they are not people who are tumbleweed Christians, rootless and fruitless. It's not the tumbleweed who becomes a tree of righteousness. It's those who don't carry their ashes, but choose to receive the beauty of Jesus, become the planting of the Lord. Amen? that he might be glorified. Trees that are planted bear fruit. And through the summer, I'm watching the fruit form on the trees that I planted. And the fruit is maturing. And at the end of the season, I'm going to get to enjoy it. And that's the way God intends for each of us. I believe America is going to become a fruit-bearing nation once again. I do because we're going to stop dragging around, rolling in, eating and sitting in ashes. Instead, we're going to say, Jesus, I give it all to you. I'm thankful for your forgiveness. I forgive my brothers and sisters. I'm sorry for my own trash. I want to make your beauty be the exchange for my ashes. Anybody here want the same in your life? To be able to know the beauty of the Lord, the oil of anointing on your life, the oil of joy for the spirit of heaven, the robe, thank God that he places on you. Let's stand and bless the Lord. Amen. Come on. Bless the Lord.